You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Read Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. And as we talk about honoring you, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we may see you for who you are and all the things that you've done for us so that we would properly respond to you, Lord, by putting our faith in you and living our lives to please you and living our lives to bring honor and glory to your name. So, Father, right now, we just commit not just this sermon, but this whole year and the rest of our lives, actually, so that we can walk, Lord, with you in a way that honors you. We commit everything to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we talk about honor. Uh, The word honor means to put value, to prize something. When you honor something, that means you prize it. You know, that's, that's your prize that's most important to you. Uh, you deem it as important. It's also, it also means um, to regard with high esteem, to regard with great respect, to regard with devotion, and to regard one with awe. And that's what honor is. And when you talk about honor, like uh, when, let's say, the President of the United States walks in here, you go, <gasps> you know, the President of the United States, you know, but if Diego from the other side of town comes in, walk in here, and who's Diego? You go, you know, to even stand up for him. But when you see someone important, you stand up and you, and you honor him. And there's a sense of, that's the president, or that's, that's somebody important, you know. How many, how many of you are starstruck when you see celebrities? You're, you're kind of you're like celebrities. When you see celebrities, you go, <gasps> how many, are we, are, are there anyone like that here this morning? <laughs> there's, someone's there, this one. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that because there's a sense of when we see something important or someone important, it evokes an, a reaction from us that, that is fitting uh, the person or the thing that we uh, see as important. And here, when we talk about honoring God, we see God as the most important person in our lives. He will be the most important person you will ever come to know. And the, the, the key word there is to know him. Okay, so... When we talk about honor, we honor God. And that's basically 
what we do here in Victory, that's the starting point of everything that we are and do here in Victory. We are here to honor God and to make disciples. Okay? We are here to honor God and make disciples. So the starting point of everything we do here is the honor and glory of God. You hear me say this every Sunday. It is our goal, our desire to honor God in everything that we say, think, and do. We're not perfect people, but God gives us the grace and to enable us to walk in a way that honors Him. And we're growing. As we walk with Him, we're growing in our relationship with Him. We're growing in our knowledge of Him. And the more we know Him, the more we can know how to live in a way that honors Him. And that's what we're talking about. And so let me ask you this question. Have you ever thought about how you could live your life to honor God? Have you ever thought about that? And this year, as you're starting out the new year, uh, you know, most people think in terms of years, so it's cycles. Every new year is a new beginning. It's a a fresh start. It's kind of like a reset button. How am I going to live this year? And many people think that way. They think in terms of years. Okay, they don't think in terms of five years. They don't think in terms of decades. They don't think in terms of scores. Okay, you know what a score is, right? Score is 20 years. Okay, so... Um, they don't think that long term. They think annually. Okay? They evaluate their lives based on the year that they live. So in Facebook, we see that. This has been your year. But anyway, we want to honor God. And how many of you want to live your life to honor God? Not just the year, but the rest of your life. You want to do that? You want to live to honor God? Okay, so that's what we're going to look at. Now, it's important that if you're going to live your life to honor God, it's important that we understand where it begins, okay? Where it begins. And in seventh chapter of Mark that we read, we see here some of the Pharisees complaining to Jesus uh, about his disciples. And they said, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders basically, and, and eat with defiled hands? In other words, with dirty hands. And see, there, how many of you, before you eat, you wash your hands? How many of you do that? How many of you don't do that? Don't raise your hands. But if you do, there you go, I saw someone. My wife, you know, she always, every time, every single meal, right before meal, she always says this to to our kids, boys, wash your hands, wash your hands. Sometimes they forget, okay? Sometimes sometimes I forget, okay? So when she says boys, sometimes I look at her, does that include me? (laughs) So so, uh, we do wash our hands, and of course, if you're going to eat, you definitely must need to wash your, your, your utensils, your plates, and your cups before you eat, right? And after you eat. So, but that's not the, what we're talking about here. The reason why they're, they were complaining to Jesus is because of this. That more than just having dirty hands, the disciples did not walk in the tradition of the elders, which was to wash their hands. It was a, something, some sort of a ceremonial thing for them. Because um, that speaks of their faith in the law. And let me give you just a backstory so that you'll have an understanding of why the Pharisees and the scribes were like this, okay? Um, You know, when God gave the word to Moses, so Moses wrote down the law, uh, and then he he wrote it down, it has has come to be known as the Torah, okay? The the Jewish, uh, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. The Torah, meaning uh, we all know it's just the Pentateuch, the first five books. What are the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? So those first five books, all of the faith of, of the Hebrews, of the, of the Jewish nation, rested on those five books. And, and then God added 
other writings, other inspired writings. We have, they have, uh, so they have the Torah, and also they they received uh, books that uh, from God are called the prophets. And so the writings of, of the prophets they considered as the prophetic books, and then the other section called the, just the writings, different writings, basically history, but uh, you know the history of the of the Jewish nation, and then poetry and wisdom. So we have the Psalms and the Proverbs there. So the entire Bible, they, you know, so the Torah, they have the writings and then the poetry. It sums up the Hebrew Bible, which they call the Tanakh. Okay, so, and the Hebrew Bible, as they know it, we all know it too, as the Old Testament. The Christian Bible has the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew Bible, does not have the New Testament because they don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah. So their Bible, the Hebrew Bible, is the Tanakh, which is the entire Old Testament. And so as the written scriptures were given to them, part of their tradition was to teach the scriptures uh, to their children because that was what God commanded, to teach the law of God to the generations. So the generations, so the law of God was passed down from generation to generation with the written Tanakh, with the written word of God, accompanied by, the, they call it the oral Torah, meaning the oral tradition that interpreted the written word of God. And who interpreted those, the word of God? It was the rabbis. Uh, so rabbinic culture, rabbinic tradition, basically puts it this way, that the rabbis are the ones who interpret the scriptures. And whatever the rabbis say, as they interpret it, that's what the people are to follow. And over the generations, we see uh, those interpretations become traditions that people held on to. Not all traditions are good. Not all traditions are bad. Traditions come and go. Okay? They change. Remember the story of uh, a family. They were, they were in a Thanksgiving dinner. Every Thanksgiving, they, they have their turkey split in two. It's, it comes out of the, the oven as two pieces. And... They've been wondering because in, in, you know, in, in other families and in the commercials and everything, they, all, they see one whole turkey, you know, cooked or baked. And here, it's just uh, you know, it's a turkey split in two. So they've asked, Mom, why do you always cook your, our turkey in two? Why do you split it in half? Why don't you cook it the way it's always done by the rest of the world? You know what? I don't know because I grew up with your grandmother doing this. Every Thanksgiving, I never bothered to ask. So let's go ask her. So they asked the grandmother. And the grandmother said, oh, you know what? You know, come to think of it, I don't know. Because my mother did that every year. I never asked. It so happened that the great-grandmother was there. She was like this. And let's go ask her. It was a Thanksgiving dinner. So they asked her, why do you always cook your, our turkey in two pieces? It's a tradition, right? So... That we've, uh, it's the family tradition. And she goes, oh, you know why I do that? Because I had a small oven, a turkey won't fit, so I had to cut it in two, make it fit. That's the only thing. They thought there was something significant in it. <laughs> but that was the reason. And how many of us grew up with traditions, we just accept them, but not really understanding the whys? I was born this way, I'm going to die this way. That's why we see a lot of religious people like that. They're so hell-bent on holding all their traditions, and they don't realize that their traditions have, gotten, have taken on a life of its own that is apart 
from the very foundation where it was built on. And so, the custom to wash everything, not just their hands, but their face and their everything, right before the meals, that was born out of, out of God's purity laws. Okay, so, you know, you can't go to God un, uh, defiled. You, you need to go to God pure, so you have to be cleansed and wash yourself. So that took on an external uh, expression. And over the generations that people have accepted the traditions without looking at why it was done, they're more focused on fulfilling the tradition. And so the Pharisees are so focused on fulfilling the tradition that they miss the whole point of why it was given. Now, let me say this. Traditions are good, but if we equate, if we elevate tradition to the level of Scripture to say that they're the same, then problems will occur. We will give birth to religious people, you see, and we will give birth to legalism because when you elevate tradition to the level of Scripture or even supersede Scripture, it's going to give birth to legalism. And legalism and religiosity do not produce life. It's just an external form of godliness but has no power. Okay? That's why we're here not to speak of traditions. Traditions are good as long as you understand why. Okay? But if you don't understand why, then you need to look back. And so here, when you put tradition over scripture, your emphasis will be on the externals rather than on the heart. And Jesus addressed their complaints uh, ever so nicely by saying this. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? You know what a hypocrite is, right? How many hypocrites do we have in the house? <laughs> What's a hypocrite, you know? <laughs> it's a, hypocr- a hypocrite basically is one who says something but does not do it. One who professes faith but does not do it. One who has an external expression of faith, but that faith did not reach that person's heart. They say one thing, but they do another. Okay? And sometimes they know it. They know. They say it outright. They put up an image. They know it. But they know they're not going to obey it. So putting up an image, that's hypocrisy right there. So, And Jesus said, used, quoted Isaiah, and Jesus Uh, said this, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Okay, they're in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, people teach man-made traditions and the commandments of men as the doctrines of God. But remember, interpretations, you know, of course, we trust that the Holy Spirit can move in people as they interpret Scripture. But a lot of people have come to become teachers who are not led by the Spirit. And so their motivation to to teach people was, you know, everything that they, the traditions and 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 their teachings are man-made, not Spirit-inspired, not Logos-inspired. So, and he says, you have a fine way of putting away God's commandments for the sake of your traditions. And I've I've shared the gospel to quite a number of my, of people I know, relatives and family and friends, and I speak the truth to them about scripture and they say, no, you know, the, you know, the, the tradition says that I'm, I'm not going to break away from my tradition. And by doing so, they are missing the point. And that's why it is very dangerous. Now, notice Jesus used the word honor here. The word honor 
and he quoted from Isaiah. Isaiah was written in, the, in Hebrew. The word honor in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is kabod, which means uh, weight or heaviness. And uh, it's interesting because the word kabod, the Hebrew word kabod, is also the same Hebrew word used for the word glory in the Old Testament. So honor and glory, they have the same root word. Of course, the word honor and glory, those, those are English words. Okay, they have, those are, again, the Hebrew word kabod can have different, different English translations depending on its use and context. But it's interesting that the, word, the Hebrew word kabod is used for both the word honor and glory. So when you honor God, that means you glorify him. You put weight. And the, the, the idea, the Hebrew thought of, of weight is this. When you want to measure the value of something, you put its equivalent weight in gold and silver or whatever, whatever you use to weigh it. And the weight is used. And when I was in Dubai, there was, there was a place there where, you know, you buy jewelry. They don't look at the craftsmanship. They just pile it in. And when you want to look at something, when you buy, oh, this is nice, okay? So they don't look at it and see the craftsmanship. You know, they just put it on a weighing scale, and they give you the amount. So depending on the weight of the thing, and so the more weight you put, okay, you, they can just do this, put in a weighing scale, and whatever the weight is, they're going to give you the price. They're going to give you the value. They're going to give you the worth. So when you, when you talk about the concept of glory or honor in kabod, it's putting value. So when you say you're glorifying God, that means you're putting the greatest value on God, the greatest person there is, the most valuable person on earth. And so when you honor God, it's not enough that you honor him just with your lips. See, lip service, as we see here, does not honor God. You see, you can come here to church and say the right things. You can say the right words. You can say hallelujah. after. You can say amen after Angelo says amen every time. You can say hallelujah, praise the Lord, every time I say something and still miss it by 18 inches. Lip service will not honor God because that's hypocrisy. Another thing that will not honor God is legalism. Just like the Pharisees, they're so into tradition, they forget the spirit of the word. Legalism and, uh, and uh, religiosity will not honor God. These things do not honor God. And notice what Jesus said here. Look, and, and the word of God says here. Notice the word honor and heart. They're in the same sentence. Because they are connected. How many of you want to honor God? Honoring God is a heart issue. It's not a lip service. It's not a knowledge thing. The knowledge will matter if it sinks to your heart. The heart is the seat of a person's being. The very emotions and the very reasons and the very motivations that guide them to making their decisions and the choices they make in their life. The very, uh, basically, the heart is the seat of your life, the center of your life. And if you want to honor God, it starts in the very center of your life. Okay, so here, honoring God begins in the heart. How many of you want to honor God? It doesn't start here with your lips. It starts with your heart. And when you say we honor God with our hearts, we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I don't understand what's happening, but 
my honoring you is not dependent on the circumstance. Honor is dependent on the value of the person. So you can go through the greatest circumstances right now or even the worst circumstance in your life and still give glory to God. That's why we see Job. How many of you have read the book of Job? How many of you have been encouraged by the book of Job? Reading through it, you're not encouraged. But in the end, you'll be encouraged. Why? How many of you have experienced something close to what Job experienced? Have you experienced something close to that? Can you really say it's that you've... And yet, here's what Job said. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. See, honoring God is not dependent on your circumstance. Many times it's easy for us to give praise to God when everything's good, right? But when everything's not going well, we go, why God? Why me? And then you put your doubt in God. And then you turn away. I'm so hurt. And you turn away. Talk to me later, God, when I'm healed up. And then you go your own way and you get more and more hurt. Not realizing only God can be the one to heal you. See, honoring God is not dependent on the circumstance. Depends on who he is. And the more you know him, the more you will honor him. That's why Job Job knew him. He said, God, I don't understand why. I do have a complaint, but God, bottom line, you give, you take away. I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to praise your name. And God was so elated with that. Honoring God begins in the heart. <clears throat> Jesus said here, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Religious people, legalistic people, hold on more to established traditions made by man. Don't do this, don't do that. You know, they hold on to rules more than to a relationship with God. You want to honor God? Don't hold on to tradition. Don't equate tradition to be at the same level as Scripture. Tradition should serve Scripture. And here, when you talk about honor, you honor someone like when the President of the United States comes here. How many, what, you know what you're, you're going to do? Oh, you're going to stand up and you're going to give him due respect. For somehow you know that you're supposed to do that, right? But you, do you know that guy personally? You know him? You, we don't. I don't know him. I just know about him, but I don't know him. But we actually honor people who are who we have a relationship with. We honor people we love. We tend to honor people we love. And, and uh, how many of you love people? There are people you love. Will you do anything to dishonor them or to hurt them? You will do whatever it takes to love them and to honor them, right? And we tend to honor most those we love the most. So it's about relationship. It's about the heart. And that's the heart, actually, of the great commandment. Jesus said the great commandment, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He was actually lifting it up from Deuteronomy 6, okay? Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love, you shall love the Lord your God with what? 
all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. When you love God, you just don't love him with lip service. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. And then you live like the devil the rest of the week. And you part A, you know, part A and do whatever stupid things there. So, But we are to love God with all our beings, all our hearts. Honoring God starts with this love relationship in the heart. Okay? And look at this. If you honor God with all your heart, here is what you're going to do. You're going to put his commands in your heart. You see, when you honor God, when you love him with all your heart, obeying God will not be an issue. Obedience to God actually will be joyful. Regardless of you, if you understand why you need to obey or not. Because you know whom you have believed. You know whom you, have, you trust. Obedience will not be an issue. It will not even be a burden. It will be a joy. You put the commands of God in your heart. The psalmist knew this. He had a heart to love God with all his heart. And he had a heart to, you know, to, to honor God with all his heart. And here's what he did. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Look at this one. Next verse. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. He, he was desiring to be with, Is this your heart's desire? Let me not wander from your commandments. Let me not wander away from your truth. Or we like this, well, Lord, let me test if your word is true. Let me go to the edge. I'm on the edge. <laughs> I'm on the edge. And see how great your love is by saving. He will save you. But if you're always doing that, testing God, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And you're missing out on a life-giving relationship that you can have when you are fully submitted to God. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, sin is disobedience. And if you love God with all your heart, you're going to make sure you're going to do everything you can to put his word in your heart so that you will not disobey him. And it's not because I don't want to disobey you because you're going to judge me. No, I don't want to disobey you because I don't want to hurt you. You're so good. God. How dare do I hurt you? And sometimes I do. And that's why your forgiveness is great. But I don't want to do that willingly. I don't want to hurt you willingly. When you honor God, you're going to love him with all your heart. And you're going to store his commands in your heart. So my second point, and here, sorry, sorry, going back to Deuteronomy 6, says here, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So that's, this speaks of, pretty much covers everything in your life. In other words, you, should, you will honor God, and you're going to talk about Him, and you're going to teach your children about Him, and you're going to live your life in a way that honors Him 24-7. Come on now. Because that's how it is. You just don't honor God on Sunday from 10 a.m. onwards, after, until after the service. Okay. These are what? Overflows of what's in the heart. You see, if your heart is filled with God and your desire to honor Him, you are going to overflow with the desire to talk about Him, to tell the world about Him, to teach your children about Him, 
to love your, your, your family and, and, you know, the way God loves you. And you're going to obey the commands of God, not because you have to, but because you want to. And your life will be an example for, for many. So the whole point of this, we honor God from the heart. And when we honor God from the heart, obedience will be a joy. Obedience will be a joy. When we honor God, when we value him, when we prize him above all things, when we lift him up and we say, you are the most important person in my life. You carry weight in my life. What you say has weight. You see what I'm saying here? Weight means value. Okay? Your, what you say and who you are carries weight in my decisions. In what I do, whatever you have to say, that's what will go. Your purpose will prevail. Not my will, but your will be done. And I'm glad to do that, Lord. Scottish theologian Peter Forsythe was right when he said this. The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. Because we were created to be under the lordship of God, under his kingship. We were not created to be independent from him. We were created to be connected to him in a loving relationship so that we can have his life. And so the first duty of every soul is to find its master. And our master is the one who created us. And the one who created us is the one who died for us to save us from our sins. So, just to summarize, honoring God from the heart and above all things leads to a life of joyful obedience in all things. You will obey God. And I'm saying this, when I say obey God, it's not because you have to obey God. No. You get to obey God. And you, you will want to obey Him. The starting point of honoring God is in the heart. Make Him the Lord of your lives. Let Him have the final shot. Let Him have the, the, the weight in all your decisions and your choices in life. Let him have the last say. It's his will, not your will. Amen? Now, let's put this in perspective. We all go through challenges in life. And we all go, experience adversities that sometimes melts our hearts and brings discouragement to our lives. How many of you have been in that situation? Are you in that situation? Some of you are in that situation. And you're discouraged. You're confused. You're fearful. You're in doubt. God spoke this to you, but Lord, did you really, are you, did you really say that? Are you really going to pull through? Are you really going to do this for me? Are, are you, are, Lord, I'm scared. And many of us are in, in that place. But you know what? Our situation is not unique. Because this has been the plight of the human race ever since sin came into the world. That's why one of the things we need to stand on is faith in God. Trusting in his character and valuing him because the more you know him, the more your soul will be at rest. The more you will be at peace. The more you'll be able to say, be still, soul, be still and know that he is God. Be still. And that's the word of the Lord for most of you today. Be still. What's going to happen? What are we gonna, I don't know what's going to happen. So, so we need to prepare. We need to, we need to do this. Be still. Trust. 
know who you have believed. He will pull through for you. Let me encourage you this. See, as I've said, honoring God is not dependent on circumstances. Honoring God depends on the value of the person of God. So regardless of where you are right now, regardless of your circumstances right now, don't look at your circumstances. Look to God. Look to the one you value most and honor him. You know why? God honors those who honor him. He values you and I so much that he's telling us, stop looking at your problems. Look to me. You have a problem? Look to me. You have something that discourages you? Stop looking at that and look to me. Are your circumstances telling you that life, you know, life sucks? Look to me. Look to me. That's why the psalmist says, better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your courts any day as long as I can be with you. And when we start the year, let's start by calibrating our hearts. And let me encourage you, as Peter encouraged his audience when he wrote his first epistle, the Christians who were also discouraged, confused, they were in doubt. They were having these things that attacked their certainty and then their their. Is this really what God wants? Peter encouraged them by saying this. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts, honor him as holy. Honor Christ the Lord. Give glory to him in your hearts. No matter what you're going through, give glory to God. Honor him. And you know what? You can do so. You can honor God. Why? If, because if he is in you, then you have a living hope that you can talk to people about. You have an eternal hope. See, circumstances change. The hope in you does not change. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is in your heart. That means the game is not over. You know the story, how it ends. Jesus will be victorious. And if you pursue him with all your heart, you're going to be victorious with him. Come on now. It doesn't matter what, how things will happen. He will make sure that you will be victorious with him. But your circumstances, your social status, does not. these things do not define who you are. It's God who defines you. That's why in your hearts, honor the Lord. And honor him with all your heart. Amen? This week we have a chance to calibrate our hearts. It's an application. We have our five-day prayer and fasting this week. And I want you to ask this question as you calibrate your hearts. As you prepare to seek God in prayer and fasting. What do you prize or value the most in your heart? Or who? Who do you prize or value the most? Is it your dream? Is it yourself? Who carries weight in your decisions? That's how you know if you're honoring God. 
Who has the last say? How many of you want to honor God? And let's seek him this week and calibrate and ask ourselves this question as we seek him and discover the glory, the awesomeness, the magnificence of this God we serve, a God who wants to live in our hearts. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? And so for this week, application, prayer, and fasting. How many of you want to seek God and calibrate your hearts so that your hearts, after the five days, you're going to be calibrated so that you will be aligned with God's purpose and you're, going to, you're on track to live for the honor and glory of God. How many of you desire this? You desire this? But again, let's all stand right now as we conclude the service. <clears throat> we are here. We desire to honor God with all our hearts. And if that's your desire to bring honor and glory to Him starting today, you're saying if you are one who honors Him already, I commend you and I encourage you to press on and continue. Press on and keep the faith and keep following Jesus and grow more into His image and likeness. Know Him more so that you can honor Him more. You see, God's not saying to everyone, you, honor me, you, honor me, you, honor me, you, honor me, okay? He doesn't do that. Our honoring of God is a response to who He is and everything He has done for us. We honor Him because He has honored us by giving His one and only Son His very best so that we can be saved we can be part of his kingdom of his family amen so let's pray right now as we conclude this this service <clears throat> thank you jesus for <clears throat> you are the only begotten son of god you are the second person of of the holy trinity you are god the son and yet you're the, you're the most valuable you're one of the most you're one of the most valuable person there is and yet you gave your life because you valued us and lord i pray that we would just respond to you by saying lord here are our hearts and we say lord we lay down our desires we lay down ourselves lord i step down from the throne of my heart and you take your place. I offer you my heart, Lord. So I want to honor you with all my heart. I want to love you with all my heart. I want to know you with all my heart. Lord, the Apostle Paul, who had so much going for him, as, according to the world's ways of defining what religious fervor is, he said, he let go of those things and he said, I consider all those things garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you and that's the one thing I do is to know you with all my heart and let that be the same desire for us let it be the same desire for us Lord and as we seek you this week in prayer and fasting Lord may we not seek you for the things we just want Lord we're believing for this we're believing for that we're believing for 
Lord, we want to know you. So we know in you all things come together. All things will work for the good of those who, are, who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And Lord, today, we lay down our desires, and our only desire is you. Fill our hearts with your love, with your presence, that we may know you, love you, seek you, and live to honor you, and to, be, to live for your pleasure. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise and glory, and we expect great things in our lives as we pursue you and pursue a life that honors you. We honor you today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise God.